It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Aha, ha, ha, ha. What it do, baby? Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 756 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, August the 4th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. Also, of course, please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network as... Sports continue on, especially uh, basketball and hockey. We'll see about baseball, but either way, baseball is still being covered for you extensively over on the MLB Network. The NHL Network, of course, covering all of the goings-on in the qualifying round tournaments, which has apparently been quite fun. And, of course, the NBA is up and running. Lots of excellent games and lots of podcasts reacting to those games so far early in the NBA bubble. Also, I'll recommend... Locked on MLB Prospects, a new podcast hosted by Aram Layton, who is a very smart dude when it comes to baseball prospects, and it's an entirely prospect-centered daily podcast if you are into that kind of thing. I know Blue Jays fans have been very much into that over recent years. Uh, to bring things narrow back to Toronto once again, the center of the universe, of course, uh, go check out Locked on MLB Prospects. Uh, all right, on today's show, it's just me talking about a very tense, very fun, very uh, inspiring win over the Miami Heat on Monday afternoon. First of all, shout out to Afternoon Basketball. Holy God, I could watch 1.30 p.m. basketball games for the rest of my life. They are excellent, uh, and the Raptors were excellent in this game. <laughs> I know there's sort of the uh, assumption that the Raptors are going to uh, poop the bed when it comes to afternoon games based on their history, and not at all the case in this one against the Miami Heat, a very impressive 107-103 win where they kind of almost blew it a little bit in the third quarter as they got out to, I think, a 17-point lead at one point. That seemed kind of daunting. The Heat couldn't get anything going offensively, but then Goran Dragic comes in and uh, puts the 
speed on a run and makes it much closer than it might have seemed it would be uh, at the midway point of the third quarter. But nonetheless, the Raptors pull it out thanks to 36 points from Fred VanVleet, a huge couple defensive plays from Fred, and the entire Raptors defense late in this one as well. We're going to get into all of that on today's show. We're also going to listen in to Fred VanVleet and uh, hear what he had to say after the game yesterday. I'm not going to lie. I've been broadcasting a lot of basketball games for the CEBL. My voice is kind of frayed, so I'm going to let Fred VanVleet, a very eloquent and good talker, uh, carry the middle segment of the show today. Uh, We'll also maybe touch on the sort of shark circling a little bit when it comes to Fred VanVleet and his next contract. I noticed some Knicks fans getting out there yesterday with some excitement. Of course, last week I was on Locked on Pistons talking about the potential of the Pistons throwing a lot of money at Fred. We'll talk about Fred a little bit uh, and sort of uh, do the secure the bag meter for the first time in many, many months as well, uh, just to kind of check in where he's at because uh, he's really good and it would be a damn shame to see him go. I tweeted yesterday during the game, pay him right now, please. Uh, I would be totally okay with that. We will get into that in the back part of the show, but let's dive into the Raptors and the Heat yesterday. An excellent game. Very fun, and kind of, again, the second game in a row, putting to bed any sort of rumors that the Raptors can't hang with very good teams. Of course, they came into this game 0-2 against the Heat this season, and a win was uh, obviously something you were rooting for, definitely. The Heat are really good, and they have been a problem for the Raptors. If you think back to the game in January, for example, they really exposed, I think, the Raptors' issues in the half court, where they ran a zone, the Raptors couldn't generate anything against it, they shot like 5 of 38 or something on godly from three and they ended up falling 84 76 in a game straight out of like the mid 2000s not the case in this one the Raptors offense was much more effective they shot 50% from three 16 of 32 they did they weren't forced to throw up a million threes either as they didn't see as much zone in this one even though the Heat are a very zone heavy team turns out when Fred Van Vliet's knocking down seven threes it's a little bit hard to justify running out of zone and I think it's also worth noting that the last time these two teams played they did not have Marcus all available that was in that I believe the stretch where they had a lot of guys out of the lineup and so it was easier to zone up a Raptors team that had Ron the hell is Jefferson playing a bunch of minutes and Chris Boucher who man are you ever eager to trick that guy into taking threes that was the case in that game not so much in this one the Raptors offense got it done uh shooting threes mostly almost half of their field goal attempts were threes in this one uh well over half at one point in this game as well uh, Fred Van Vliet, of course, excellent, 36 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. Uh, Kyle Lowry, I thought, was, you know, he didn't shoot terribly well in this one, just 2 of 8, but he did the thing where he gets to the line a million times. And that was uh, a thing that really kind of kept the Raptors' offense afloat in this one. They were 33 of 36 from the line, took advantage of, a, I think, a bit of a generous whistle in those, this one, and uh, all the starters got at least 4 free throw attempts in the game. Uh, Lowry got to, got there 9 times, he was 9 of 9. Fred Van Vliet got there 13 times, he was 13 of 13, and it's good to see the Raptors uh, get into the get into the bucket and, and getting calls because because you know I, I think there's been the last couple of years you know Kyle Lowry in particular until this year just kind of you know really when he, his free throw rate came back up that's kind of been a concern and that ever since DeMar DeRozan left really has been a bit of an issue for the team you know Kawhi had his moments here and there although he didn't get to the line nearly as much last season as like a peak DeMar season just because I think he was kind of taking it easy a little bit um, obviously he had he had his moments but for the most part uh, it's been an element that the Raptors have not had a ton of since DeMar DeRozan left so um, that was a nice thing to see the Raptors uh, employ you know the Heat are obviously a very good defensive team and anytime you can pick up cheap points around the rim that is uh, very useful obviously to keep your offense afloat um, you know, the Raptors didn't shoot terribly well in this one only 13 made twos in this game which is uh, not great 
and I think probably speaks to Bam Adebayo around the rim, and Jimmy Butler was excellent around the rim as well, sort of chasing and recovering uh, when, like, Kyle Lowry or Fred VanVleet would blow by him. He was really good. You know, the Heat kind of collapsed down and do a lot of mean things to you around the basket, and the Raptors did a pretty good job of compensating for that by getting to the line a whole bunch. In terms of Fred VanVleet, I mean, what can you say? He was unbelievable in this one. 36-5-4, as I mentioned. He A career high for him in points. His defense was also immaculate once again. And as we'll hear Fred talk about, he was a big part of the late-game defensive stops as well. Uh, you know, two opportunities for the Heat late in this game to get shots up in crunch time to potentially tie or take the lead, and they did not get anything up in that time, which is remarkable and speaks to how the Raptors' defense kind of works as, you know, sort of their, 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 their crunch time star, really. You know, they don't really have a necessarily um, tried and true, tr- you know, traditional guy who can, you know, get you a bucket at any time, but they can stop a team from getting a bucket at any time when they really, you know, ratchet it up. And that is a, a secret weapon the Raptors have in their back pocket that, you know, not a lot of teams can really go to. You know, the, the reason a lot of teams will, you know, kind of keep things in the hands of their superstars late in games is because superstars a lot of the time are defense proof. You know, you have a one-on-one situation. If you ISO, whatever it is, more often than not, a very good offensive player can score against a very good defender in the clutch if needed. And that's why that's what most teams do to, you know, limit turnovers and all that stuff. But with the Raptors, you can't really do that because they will send two guys. They don't really care. They're happy to rotate around. They're happy to cause a whole lot of havoc for a star player with the ball in their hands. And Jimmy Butler in this one is Mike Prada, a former guest of the show, uh, pointed out on Twitter talking about this game. Uh, Jimmy Butler just two shot attempts and one assist in the fourth quarter, and the Raptors were all over him. And that was very much on display late in this game as well. Same thing took place with Goran Dragic, who kind of took the place as their lead scorer in this game. He had 25 points. Points off the bench, nine of 14, um, three of seven from downtown, five boards, five assists as well. And he came in in crunch time, uh, you know, thinking, I'm guessing the thinking was he can juice the offense here a little bit for the Miami Heat. And the Raptors stonewalled him as well because they're monsters and they just rotate so well and they just are constantly stepping in for, you know, the next guy. And there's just constantly a rotation to fill in the hole when a guy is moving to go and overcompensate somewhere else. And the Raptors are so so disciplined when it comes to that they're so good at it that they can get away with it in a way that a lot of other teams cannot and so that was the story of this one the Raptors offense was just fine I thought Pascal Siakam was excellent in this game Um, you know as a final note just sort of on the overarching tenor of the game and the themes of the game I thought Pascal you know did a really good job of just kind of picking his spots the Heat were really quick to double him in the post a few times in this one uh, and I thought over the course of the game a Siakam got a got pretty good at sort of diagnosing when the double was coming and then spinning the opposite way and going baseline and then when the double did come he was really good at kicking it out whether it was to a shooter up on the uh, top of the arc whether it was to just someone on the winger in the corner I thought he was uh, pretty good at diagnosing when a double was coming and not getting too bogged down he had two turnovers in this game uh, but nothing too upsetting there at all Uh, probably should have had more than the three assists as well I thought his playmaking in this one was pretty good and so that's kind of the the overarching story of the game again Fred kind of runs the show, uh, just like an unbelievable shooting performance from him off the bounce, uh, you know, off the catch, just kind of everywhere, um, in particular off the bounce in this one, as the thing with the Heat 
you know, they're a very good defensive team, but if Jimmy Butler is not guarding you, they are susceptible at the top of a pick and roll to kind of get torched by you. They were going under at times on Fred. I don't know why you would ever go under the screen on Fred Van Vliet. That seems very stupid. Uh, you would think any point guard on the Raptors, you're not going under the screen against, but uh, the Heat were doing that, and that is, I guess, sort of the the thing that you have to deal with when you're the Heat and you're up against the Raptors where, you know, you got to have Jimmy Butler on somebody, usually Kyle Lowry, sometimes Pascal Siakam, um, but yeah, usually it's going to be Lowry. And if you have Fred Van Vliet who can kind of take the helm and run the offense, you are taking advantage of Goran Dragic and Kendrick Nunn and some not-so-good defenders at the point of attack, and the Raptors uh, definitely took advantage of that yesterday. And by the end of the game, the, the Heat were trapping Fred Van Vliet, which he talked about as well in the uh, post-game scrum that we are going to get to in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about CBDMD. Our friends at CBDMD know it's, hey, everyone needs some help getting through the day. If you're very busy, if you've got stresses of home and work life, if you've got injuries, whatever it is, everyone's got their own stuff they're going through. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, CBDMD has an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or a shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try out this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering our listeners 20 25% off of your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, let's have a listen in now to Fred Van Vliet, the hero of yesterday's game, coming off a career-high 36 points. He spoke to the media after the game. Here he is. On that last play, uh, or not the last play, but where you uh, sort of stepped in there in front of uh, Dragic, it seemed like you sagged off him for a second, and then you, you swooped back into the passing lane. What did you, can you just take us through the play and what you saw um, in terms of making that play? Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, I just think we were uh, switching everything and um, just trying to be prepared for the slip. I saw Jimmy coming back. Um, you know, he likes the face cut there. So just trying to be another body at the rim. And then I saw Jordan make the cut. So just trying to beat him to the spot. And uh, I was able to get my hand on him. In terms of the other end on the floor, obviously 36. Um, but, you know, they started to trap you pretty heavily. And you had that... Uh, 
you had that cross court pass to Pascal. Um, how aggressive are their traps, and how much adjusting does it take to get used to that when they decide to do that sort of mid game to slow you down? Uh, it's it's a little give and take. I, I think I'm I'm pretty you know comfortable with the with the blitzing with the trapping. Obviously, they're an aggressive team, so you know just trying to be prepared for that. But I don't get blitzed that often, so as a team, you know it's going to take a little adjustment. But I just try to keep beating the bigs around and just being aggressive, putting pressure on the rim. Uh, I thought the last block charge was, was a block, you know, from my angle, but. Um, I thought I thought we handled the blitzes pretty well, and uh, the one you're talking about obviously made a good play to help you out knock down the corner three. Thanks, Brad. Stay healthy. Thanks, Eric. Uh, next, we'll go to Josh Lundberg from TSN. Hey, Fred. Uh, obviously, you and Kyle, your your free throw numbers have been up. Um, these first two games, how much of that is a result of the way uh, defenses have been playing you guys? How much of it is a concerted effort on your part to attack and get to the rim? Um, I think it's just luck of the draw sometimes. Like, you never know what you're going to get. You know, each game is different. Each officiating crew is different. And uh, the way they, they're calling the games are always different. So you never really know. Um, I think today I just wanted to be uh, a little bit more aggressive. I knew it was an early start. And we had to create our own energy, so took a nice little energy shot before the game, so I, I could get my wheels going and just trying to keep putting pressure on the on the rim, and I was able to get to the line. Tailoring the defensive game plans to each team, each game, as well as you guys do as a team, uh, how much of that is preparation in, in terms of scouting report, game planning? How much of that is the collective IQ defensively of this group? Uh, it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think we got, you know, one of the better coaching staffs in the league, uh, starting with Nick and working down. Those guys, they work relentlessly on, on giving us the best look. And then we got a veteran team who can lock into the game plan and, and stay locked in to switch, you know, whether it's possession to possession, quarter to quarter, game to game. We're switching schemes and we're doing different things and, and just not giving the same look over and over again, keeping them guessing. Thanks, Fred. Congrats on the game. Thanks. Next is uh, Michael Grange from Sportsnet. Hey, Fred. Um, can you hear me? Yeah? Oh, amazing. I didn't screw it up. Uh, that, that, what you were talking about, about the, the defensively, all the different switches and different looks that you give a team, and it seems to me like you, you spend as much time in the half court directing other guys and pre-switching stuff. How much do you enjoy that, that part of your role and um, how long did it take you to get really comfortable directing traffic like that? Uh, I think from day one I was doing it. You know, obviously I keep growing in my role. I never was the most outspoken guy coming in just because I didn't know how people would receive it, you know, when I wasn't playing. But now that I'm playing big minutes, I think guys are respecting my voice and uh, I'm seeing things. I'm talking with the coaches before the games, during the games, and just trying to anchor. Our, you know, we got two of the best anchors down low with Marcus Surge and then, you know, me and Kyle are are directing the rest. So just trying to keep guys in the right spot. We're communicating. When we mess up, we're trying to see how we can do it better. When we're successful, you know, how do we keep continuing to do that? So staying locked in is probably my favorite thing that I do. And, you know, it gets the, the least amount of, of credit. So it's, uh, it's a fun, you know, job to have knowing, you know, that my teammates can count on me on that side of the floor. And uh, offensively, Fred, uh, what is more meaningful to you, a career high 36 or that you got three more than Kyle did the other night? Uh, no, that's a that's that's a double whammy right there. I'll take that. Uh, this, you know, uh, I couldn't beat Norm 37. I got ran out of gas, but uh, I should have had 40. Um, but I'll take the 13 free throws. I think that that's the most important to me. Uh, 
I'm, I'm pretty hard on the rip. So to get to the line 13 times, uh, you know, I got to try to keep, keep continuing to do that. Awesome. Thanks. Have a great night. Thank you. Uh, next is Tim Bontemps with ESPN. Hey Fred, just curious, uh, when you're having a third quarter like you, when you're going like you were in the third quarter, uh, it, what does that kind of feel like when you start having stuff going from everywhere and do you start getting more aggressive and trying to look for your shot? Would you start having a few go down like that? Um, not really. I just try to take what the defense gives me. Um, I've done it before. I've had big games before. It's not, you know, the craziest thing in the world for me. I got, you know, extreme confidence. So. The thing with the defense gave me, I thought there was a spot for me there in the third where we were up big and they made their run and I needed to make a couple plays. So just finding a look, finding the touch. And, you know, my teammates did a good job of screening and finding me in good spots. And, um, you know, obviously uh, I got loose there for a couple buckets and just trying to do anything possible, you know, for us to win. And tonight, you know, that meant scoring a basketball. So there is a snippet of Fred Van Vliet's post-game talking to the media yesterday after his career-high 36-point performance. Uh, I mean, he kind of hit all of the stuff I hit in the first segment there. The defense, the switching the Raptors were doing yesterday was incredible. The uh, you know the fact that he got to the line 13 times was huge. Everything about Fred Van Vliet and the Raptors' performance against the Heat on Monday was uh, wonderful. A couple other notes from the game that I want to get to here before we get into the final portion of the show where we'll talk about Fred Van Vliet and his contract situation, which uh, again is looming and is terrifying. If you're worried about bad Bad teams with lots of money throwing a huge sum and luring Fred Van Vliet to their city this offseason. We'll get to that in a sec. But yeah, in terms of final notes in the game, I thought we should probably touch on OG Ananobi again. Quiet game offensively for him. Just one of five from the field. Uh, but he was incredible defensively. Bam Adebayo in this game was not really all that much of a factor. He had a couple moments here and there. Had a big dunk, I believe, on a putback that you know was sort of loud and boisterous. But for the most part... Pretty much neutralized, just 10 points in this game, and we saw another instance of OG Ananobi guarding a center and doing damn well at it. Uh, We saw it, of course, just before the pause when he guarded Nikola Jokic when the Raptors had no bigs available in that game, and he was pretty much their best bet and did a pretty good job against Jokic. He had seven steals in that game, if you recall. Um, I thought OG, when he was on BAM in this game, was outstanding. You know, he's just, he's really good at defense. He's a brick shithouse. He is so strong that I I don't think the couple inches he may give up to centers once in a while really matters all that much he just does not get moved off his spot and he gave Bam Adebayo a lot of trouble in this one and kind of kept him out of the action for the most part you know I think the Raptors their strategy in this game worked their defensive strategy of getting the ball out of Jimmy Butler's hands and you know having other guys beat them it, it really kind of worked to their advantage they had Jay Crowder taking 14 shots in this game tied for the team lead when that is happening the Raptors are doing their jobs correctly even though Crowder went four of ten from three, you would much rather that than an endless stream of drives to the rim for Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo carefully orchestrating their offense in sort of the same way Mark Gasol would, for example. Uh, Just really great stuff from the Raptors in their half-court defense in particular yesterday. Kendrick Nunn taking seven shots and going 0 of 7, 0 of 5 from deep. Uh, Always love to see that. Kendrick Nunn, bad person, never forget it. Uh, And they got Duncan Robinson to be pretty quiet in this one as well. He didn't play in crunch time, which I thought interesting considering the Heat could not get anything going on the offensive end. But um, really, uh, just a great job of forcing a lot of guys who you're okay taking a lot of shots uh, into taking those shots. Even Kelly Olynyk taking 11 shots from three in this game, hitting four, wasn't amazing. And it's always a bummer to see Kelly Olynyk hitting shots on you. But um, the fact that you know those guys.
guys were taking the lion's share of the shots. The Olinics, the Crowders, the Nuns. Uh, Tyler Hero took 11 shots. He was also pretty good in this one. It's frustrating how good that dude kind of looks. Uh, I, I don't like it, but um, he's uh, he seems to be a real player. You know, still, I think the Raptors did a really good job of just sort of executing the exact defensive game plan they like to execute uh, and keeping stars from killing them, uh, particularly in the fourth quarter. As I mentioned, Jimmy Butler doing uh, nothing at all in the fourth quarter as the Raptors held on for the win. Uh, all right, on the other side, we are going to dive into Fred Van Vliet and the check the bag, secure the bag meter, whatever it is, the uh, the the thing that we're calling it right now. Uh, that's what, I, if it was so long ago that we last did it, I'm pretty sure it's called the secure the bag meter. We are going to check in on that, and we are uh, also going to close out with uh, just a couple of the thoughts on this game, um, as uh, there's plenty to digest from the second game back in the bubble. But first, I want to tell you about my bookie. Say with me now, sports are back, baby. I've been waiting for this day since March. You've been waiting for this day since March. And now that it's here, I've only got one thing on my mind, and that is my bookie. My bookie is a home run, slam dunk, triple overtime, game-winning shot, all wrapped up into one. I love it. You love it. And that should be all you need to hear in order to start betting today. My bookie has up-to-the-minute odds on all your favorite teams. And with the start of all the sports coming back, there's never been a better time to start playing. With my bookie, it is easy. You bet, you win, and they pay you. You feeling good about your team's chances this year? Be sure to check out MyBookie's World Series futures bets as well as all of the finals bets for all the sports. Nothing shows you believe in your squad like betting on them before the season's even begun. But why stop with just one sport? You know, you might be a baseball fan, you might be a basketball fan. Smart bettors, though, are always looking towards the future. And in this case, that means all of the sports, basketball, hockey, football, baseball, whatever it is. MyBookie is already accepting bets on all your favorite NBA, NHL, and NFL games. There's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting. Join today and MyBookie will match your deposit 100%, plus they'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. All you got to do is enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA when signing up. Remember, at MyBookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, and they pay. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who could help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique. And State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app. State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, let's uh, wrap up here. Again, a couple notes on the game before I get to the Fred Van Vliet secure the bag meter. Uh, in terms of the game, just sort of lingering thoughts. We did see the bench once again kind of struggle a little bit. Um, you know, not as bad as it was in the stretches they played in those transitional lineups against the LA Lakers on Saturday, but still, you know, Norm Powell, I think in particular in this one, struggling with his finishing around the basket, which is weird because that's been the thing that's sort of elevated 
elevated him this season from being the sort of enigma that he's always been to being just a really steady off the bench scorer. It's been a little bit tricky. I would assume it's probably just some sort of rust. He still had flashes of just like immense body control, getting around the basket and finishing in the ways that we saw all year. But there have been a couple miscues here and there as well. Just like a real uh, a pair of bunnies yesterday, I believe, that just were uh, a little bit weird and, and strange to see them not go in, especially since we saw him play quite well in the scrimmage games as well. I would assume he's going to figure it out. He had five assists yesterday, which is very good to see. A couple really nice passes in traffic, which again, a year ago, two years ago, is not part of Norm Powell's repertoire whatsoever. And for him to be able to find his bigs in space for little dump offs and things like that, that is all part of the growing skill set that Norm Powell has boasted this season. And I would assume the finishing and the three-point shooting will come back around to what we saw, in particular the three-point shooting, because he's been a good three-point shooter most of his career the last two years in particular I don't think that's just gone away and so uh, hopefully we see that bounce back in short order here the finishing around the rim hopefully it was not an example of him just kind of being unseasonably hot all year long before the pause and this is more an example of rust but we'll have to keep an eye on that not a lot of other contributions from the bench in this game they rode the starters very hard 42 minutes for Fred Van Vliet 35 for Lowry 36 for Siakam 33 for OG Uh, a Baca got in there for 26 to spell Gasol, who played just 22. He had some foul trouble in this one. Um, But considering the foul trouble the team had, I am pretty surprised we didn't see a lot of, you know, extra bench guys. They didn't have uh, Chris Boucher for this game, but we only saw 11 minutes of Ronda Hellis-Jefferson, four minutes of Terrence Davis, who seems to maybe not be in the good books uh, for Nick Nurse right now, and just one minute for Matt Thomas as well. Interested to see if we see any Paul Watson or anything like that. Um, You know, with the Raptors now having secured two wins and they're already a game up of where they were over the Celtics in the standings for the two seed race, I feel like we're getting pretty close here to, you know, kind of calling that a wash. Of course, they play Boston on Friday. The result of that game might dictate things here. But even then, it's going to be really hard right now for the Raptors to fall. If You know, even if they lose all six remaining games, which I'm sure they will not, they go two and six. The Celtics have to finish, um, what is it, like six or at least five and uh, three to, to move on into that top seed, which again, the Raptors are not going to uh, go to 0-6 to close out these games. I would bet strongly against it. I just wonder if maybe we're seeing heavy minutes for the starters right now, and then maybe they ease it off as the seeding becomes less of a question closer to the end of these seeding games. And uh, that'll be something to keep an eye on because I'm not sure I'm comfortable seeing Fred VanVleet play 42 games in a game that means not a whole lot. Um, you know, still good job of keeping Lowry down to 35, I suppose. But the, the bench is not been trusted and uh, you know it's interesting because you know so this is actually pointed out yesterday by friend of the show Daniel Hackett from Raptors HQ Um, he pointed out that you know the the fact that the Raptors clearly have like a defined top five now in their starting five and then Abaka and Powell are kind of in that next tier of players just based on their play so far although Abaka was fine yesterday 15 and 6 um, 7 to 12 he you know still has his miscues his defense has not been quite where it was in the regular season and he you know kind of has his moments where he uh, just plays horribly for three minutes at a time and then bounces back um, still the fact that there's that defined five and then the next two in the death chart and then we'll figure out what the hell the rest of it looks like a little bit later 
later, I'm sure. Um, you know, Hackett made the point that that could kind of be a good thing, maybe, in that it leaves the questions of, oh, does Powell close? Does he deserve closing minutes? You know, where does Ibaka slot in? Um, that kind of takes those questions away, and it's very clearly defined, like, okay, this is the best five-man unit the Raptors have. It is the Siakam, OG, Gasol, Larry Van Vliet fivesome, and there's no question about that. And in terms of just establishing a hierarchy and a very condensed schedule here and establishing what your playoff rotation is going to look like, that might be a helpful thing for Nick Nurse in a way. Um, and will also hopefully sort of dissuade Nick Nurse from getting weird and a little bit fancy with his lineups uh, in, in, cl- in clutch moments. And he can just kind of go, all right, these are the five guys I know are good together. I know this lineup beats the piss out of everybody when they play. I'm just going to play them. Um, so that's the uh, last couple notes on the game there uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the lineups and things like that. Uh, lots of fun, interesting things to digest here. And I feel like I'm darting all over the place, but it's just like so overwhelming to have actual basketball to talk about again that I find myself wanting to be darting all over the place because I'm a goldfish and my brain is stimulated by all these different things on the box score that I'm looking at. Um, let, with that, let's take a look at the Fred Van Vliet secure the bag meter. course, if you don't remember this segment, this is something that we have done uh, throughout the year, just kind of taking a look at what Fred Van Vliet's contract situation might look like in the offseason and how worried we are about the Raptors overpaying, have the, losing him, whatever it might be. And right now, I mean, the value for Fred Van Vliet is as high as it's ever been. He is on this national stage in the bubble. He's been excellent through two games. In particular, he was amazing, uh, of course, with the 36 points on Monday against the Heat in the only game that was on TV at the time. Everyone's talking Fred Van Vliet today. And how could you not? He was incredible. Um, I I think with Fred... The you know the contract situation remains fascinating. I think you're kind of like I mentioned off the top, seeing these lesser teams kind of circle the waters a little bit, and these destitute fan bases getting very excited at the prospect of them of their team signing a good point guard. Um, and you know I, I think there's a, a very real case to be made that some team could get wild right now and maybe throw thirty million dollars or something a year at Fred VanVleet. In which case I don't know what the Raptors do. Like that is uh, a tricky proposition. I am comforted by the fact that we have no idea what the cap is going to look like. We, I don't think we're going to see teams with you know an extra abundance of cap space. At least they might even have less cap space if the cap um, you know sticks at the same or or even comes down a little bit. We have no idea just yet what the financial implications are going to be of the pandemic. And I'm also comforted by the fact that I just don't know if Fred is going to want to go to one of those bad teams. Like, does he want to go play for Tom Thibodeau with the Knicks and you know be the only adult in the room? I'm not sure. The Pistons are really far out of it right now, and Fred Van Vliet, as great as he is, is not going to instantly take a team from being a lottery team into being a an excellent you know team that you know can make a playoff run or anything like that. Um, you know, I think Fred is just like a wonderful, excellent complimentary player, and he fits perfectly on this Raptors team because he's not asked to do everything because he has Kyle Lowry in the backcourt to offset the ball handling duties, and the situation for him to succeed in Toronto is right there. I also tend to believe the Raptors are going to take care of Fred and I think you know even if it gets up to something like 25 26 27 million a year yes that will hurt in terms of future flexibility and you may have to make some tough decisions a year from now when it comes to potentially offloading a contract perhaps even Fred if that comes to it but I think because Fred is so good and he does seem like he's going to be such a commodity this year 
you can probably sell yourself on, hey, even if we have to move this contract down the line, which obviously you don't want to do because Fred is awesome and he's an indelible part of the Raptors now and the entire culture of the franchise. Um, you know, the, the because he's so good and so valued around the league as a champion and a guy who makes winning plays and a guy who's just damn good at basketball, I think you'd be able to sell yourself on, all right, we signed this deal for now, we get him locked in, and then we figure things out later when it comes to salary cap space. We don't even know. You know, as much as I'm like fully on board with the Raptors going in for the summer of 2021 and trying to do something, you can't make any sort of plans with your team a year, two years out, whatever it is, with with all the uncertainty that lies with the you know the what cap space you're going to have. What's Giannis even going to do? We've seen with teams like the Knicks, for example, building your entire operation around trying to lure a free agent that may or may not come is a really good way to set yourself back many years. And I think just letting Fred Van Vliet walk, even if it's, you know, even if he's offered a big deal that you're worried about matching, I think is, uh, you know, if your impetus for doing that is, well, we got to keep cap space open. I think that's probably a misstep because as much as uh, we all like to joke and put Giannis and Raptors jerseys on Instagram, I don't know if it's entirely likely it's probably more it's certainly more likely than not that he's not going to be a raptor as much as it seems like it would be a really great fit and we get excited about it and so to build your team around an unlikelihood seems like kind of a mistake and i just don't think we'll see messiah and bobby make that mistake so i think fred van fleet's contract right now is going to be enormous i think 25 million a year probably is where he's played himself into right now we'll see how things go in the bubble in the playoffs and we'll check back in on the secure the bag meter over the course of the postseason but right now he's in line to make a lot of money and I think the Raptors are very much inclined to keep him around because he's excellent and even if his offense sometimes leaves you wanting it certainly did not on Monday but even if sometimes you know he dribbles the ball too much and he can't score around the rim Everything else he does, his defense, his his playmaking, all of that stuff is uh, stuff you want to have on a winning team. And he is uh, an essential part of what the Raptors are doing right now. Big shouts to Fred Van Vliet, as always. And with that, that's going to bring us to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll be back again, I think, on Wednesday, but maybe not. I've got some weird scheduling stuff over the next couple days here that I have to try to iron out. Um, The very worst case, I'll have an episode on Thursday breaking down the Magic game, and I'll probably try to get like an episode out on Sunday or something like that as a replacement if I don't get uh, an episode. With the schedule being as it is with the on days and sort of every other day they're playing, I think the podcast schedule might get a little bit more wonky um, just because I want things to be fresh as possible with games uh, coming hot and heavy here and leaving things out of date pretty quickly. So um, maybe some flexibility to the schedule here. There'll still be five episodes, of course, uh, for you to enjoy before Sunday at least. And uh, I appreciate you listening and I appreciate all of the support for the podcast that uh, is really pouring in lately. The, the show has been doing great and I much appreciate all of you for flocking back for some reason to listen to me drone on about your Toronto Raptors. That is going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much. Please subscribe to rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Also, make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's much appreciated. You can find me, of course, on Twitter at Woodley Sean, and you can watch me tonight on CBC Gem and CBCSports.ca. I'll be doing my final two games on the call in the CEBL Summer Series. Those have been a lot of fun, and I uh, would love if you'd love it if you would check those out uh, on your CBC Gem app. It's great. You can also double screen if you're really, really can compelled to watch the NBA. 
Friday, you can throw me on with Javon Shepard and Amy Audibert onto your uh, your your iPad or your phone or whatever it is on CBC Gem. Much appreciated there. That's going to do it. We will talk to you again uh, later in the week after the Magic game, before the Magic game, whatever it is. It'll be very soon, I promise, with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Now go tell your smart speaker to play Locked On Women's Basketball, which is excellent and is doing a great job covering the WNBA every single day. Have a good one, everybody. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.